All right. Hey, good morning. And um, it's a good week, isn't it? And uh, God has given us some rain, so we're, we don't know what to do with that. But um, it's good to uh, worship together. Um, as Pastor Sam mentioned in that, um, and also in that video, uh, this is really a, a big highlight of our church this month. And so we want to celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving by either serving somewhere or by also by giving something. And uh, the people who receive it um, are really uh, people who are really in difficult times. You know, foster children, teens who um, can't be with their parents and it's so difficult. Or also uh, these families that had just left the woman's shelter um, who were struggling. Um, and so, man, I want to encourage you to uh, make this your tradition. And really it is something um, for our church that I am so proud of as well, to just see the um, reaction always of our church in taking all these things up and, and uh, serving in so many big ways. So, and also if you want to, you know, end up on like a cool video, you got to go do this. Like, you know, then you might have a chance, right? So um, you got to do that. And, uh, um, but uh, we want to just encourage you to serve. You know, today's uh, message, um, as we look at this parable, is really about um, the two fruits of grace. When God gives us his grace, there's two things that happen, and it's generosity, and uh, also uh, it's gratitude, right? That we would be grateful people, we would be generous people. And these are the two, I think, general fruits that we could say come from the grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel message that we um, have accepted. And uh, those are the two things, really, that aren't natural to us. I mean, you think about when you see a toddler or a little kid, um, parents are always trying to teach them those two things, right? Um, share your toys. It's not just about you. Share. And you, if you go to Target or somewhere, you'll hear the three-year-old screaming for life over that toy they couldn't have because it was me. And you have to learn to now give and share. Also, about gratitude. When a kid gets something nice, we always say, hey, say thank you. Say thank you to uncle so-and-so. Say thank you to your friend for giving this to you. And um, we have to teach it. And we're going to see it again, um, that even adults don't fully get it. Um, you're going to see it on Good Friday. People are trampling over each other for the $100 TV and all these things. Um, and so these are things that are really the fruit of the gospel message that we hear, especially for Christians, we ought to be the most generous people and the most um, grateful people. Um, we ought to be saying thank you often. You know, this story that Jesus tells, it's one of those stories where the obvious is omitted. The obvious isn't there so much that everyone who's listening is saying, wait a minute, he didn't do this. Like, he didn't react correctly. This was given to him. And so the truth of what he should have done is taught by Jesus purposely omitting it of the debtor. The two debtors, one is the, the main kind of character of this story that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God. And he says that this Christian life is like this. And he tells a story. And we want to look at um, this story together this uh, Sunday. Uh, verse 23, this is the, the beautiful story of the grace, right, that's mentioned. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So the characters who are mentioned in the story is the king and a servant. The king, it was number one, the king was 
the king. I mean, you couldn't question the king. You couldn't argue the king. The king said it. It was the law. He was the highest of all the people. And the person he's talking to is not one of his leaders, but it's one of the servants, the lowest in the totem pole, the lowest in all stat, uh, status. So we have now the king and then dealing with the lowest, the highest dealing with the lowest. And so here you see already uh, a vast gap between the two. And the king decides that he wants to settle his accounts. And one of his servants owed him, the Bible says in this story, 10,000 talents. Now, to get a grasp on what that is, uh, Mike Wilkins, in his commentary, tries to explain it this way. He says a talent is, was the largest unit of measurement um, in, for the Jew. So they would say a talent to this or a talent to that. So you have a talent. A talent was equal to 6,000 denarii. Okay, so denarii is used for uh, money. It was a coin. 6,000 denarii. And the 6,000 denarii, each denarii, let's go another uh, step, one denarii was about a day's wage. So he figured in the commentary when he wrote it, maybe it was worth about $41. And so let's say if it's worth $41, right, a talent, now one talent, let's, let's uh, look at this, is worth about $250,000 in our money. So if one talent is worth 250000 and you multiply that by 10000 you get something like $2.5 billion. And all the commentators will tell you this number that's mentioned here is not an actual figure someone could pay back. It's just to say it's so much. It's the highest amount. It's something that you couldn't possibly fathom. You know, you hear kids sometimes say, oh, you know, I bet you, you know, I'm right. And you'll hear little kids say, I'll bet you a million bucks. You want to shake on it? They're not going to, they can't pay that, right? They'll say that, but they, they can't pay that. And this is a number so high that when the story is told, everyone listening is saying, oh, yeah, yeah he's going to pay back 10,000. 10,000 talents. Yeah. Okay. And so they say, well, what's going to happen now? This guy owes 10,000 talents. How does the king react? And the story goes this way. That he says in verse 25, Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all he had, and the payment to be made. Now, obviously, he, him selling them um, wouldn't cover the cost. But there was nothing unjust or mean about the king doing this. This was perfectly in his right. He was owed this money. And he had every right to collect it. Right? We could say, oh, that's perfectly just. He should have done this. He could have done this. And so he says this, but verse 26. Now, this is it's interesting. The Many, many times I've read this, I always assumed he begged for mercy. He begged for some kind of help. But when you read this carefully, there's not one bit of humility here. This is what he says. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me. And I will repay you everything. Now, he doesn't ask for mercy. He doesn't ask for pity. He says, just give me a little time. I mean, this is not the reaction you would expect to hear. What do you mean a little bit of time? How much time do you need for $2.5 billion? How are you going to do this when you make $5 an hour? How are you going to pay this? Just give me a little time. The arrogance of the response we see here. And so everyone listening to the story saying, oh my gosh, this guy is a fool. How dare he even talk to the king in this way? He has nothing to say, but he says something, and he talks back to the king, and he asks for this. Not only that, 
Um, he has the audacity to say in verse 26, I will pay you everything. Uh, you know, the, the commentators, one of the commentators, you know, points that the word order in that phrase, the word everything comes first, right? Uh, everything I will pay you. In the original language, word order shows an emphasis. So he's saying everything, everything, all of it I will pay you. Not some of it. Not can I just pay you a little. Not can I make a little bit of a payment. Not can I just give you a little bit till I can. Everything I will pay you. So he comes to the king and says, oh, 2.5 billion, no problem. Everything, all of it, every penny I will pay you. Now if you were the king and I were the king and we, how would we respond? The listeners, the crowd that's listening, the disciples who are listening to Jesus is saying, oh, the king's going to get him. The king's going to get him. But this is how the king reacts in verse 27. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Out of pity. Some translations say out of compassion. When you have mercy or pity or compassion on someone... It is all about the one who gives mercy or pity. It's never about the person who receives it. The credit goes to the one who gives it, just by definition. So here it says, wow, the king had that much pity, he let him go. Not only that, he, he says, I forgive you of the debt, and he releases him. The credit goes all to him, right? And so you would expect now, and this is a, the twist in the story, that he goes out, the guy who had just been released, the guy whose family was about to get locked up, they're released, and his debt is wiped clean, balance is zero, he comes out and he runs into one of his own friends. The Bible tells us it was a fellow servant. Now this is a story where there is no grace. All right, you look at this in verse 28. And when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Seizing him, he, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have mercy with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're expecting him to say, oh, he runs into, first of all, one of his fellow servants, someone who is at his level, his status, one of his co-workers. He runs into him. Guy owes him 100 denarii. Maybe a, few, maybe a while back he gave him a, you know, lent him 100 denarii to go fix his, you know, I can't say car back then. Maybe his donkey. You know, his donkey needed to get some maintenance. Right? Here's a, hey, here's 100 denarii. Three months wages. He said, oh, and then... He tells him, and it's interesting in the story, he says the very same phrase that the, the first debtor said to the king. Have patience with me. I'll pay you. Have patience with me. And the reaction we see here is obviously very different than the king. He seizes him and begins to choke him. Now again, technically, this guy is correct. This guy deserved it. This was his money. He deserved to get all of it. And we can make the same argument, man, if someone has hurt you, wronged you, um, owed you something, and you could justify it, say, you owe me. That's right. This is what justice is. You need to pay me. Um, but the thing that changes everything is the grace of God that's seen on the cross. We, in this story, obviously, we are the recipients of the pardon, the mercy. We are the ones who have received so much. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You see, there's an exchange happening here. You see that he was rich, he becomes poor, so you can be rich. Um, that our Lord Jesus Christ, for your sake, became poor. So there's this exchange. Martin Luther talks about the great exchange. He takes our sins. We take on his righteousness when he goes on the cross. We see something happening here. And this is what we have received as Christians. Uh, whenever someone wrongs us, right? Whenever someone owes us, um, someone has to pay, right? I mean, someone always pays, um, let's say you had someone over and, uh, um, you know, their, their, you know, son ends up breaking your TV. He was playing with a baseball in your house and he breaks your TV. And you could say, oh, gosh, you know, that's horrible, you know. And they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I pay? And you might say as a host, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You know, I forgive you. Don't worry. And we think that forgiveness is often that easy that you just say it with your mouth and you forget it. Isn't that all? But no, because someone still pays for it. So if the kid doesn't pay and the parents don't pay, then the guy that owns the TV, now he has to go pay for it. So someone pays for this. You know, we might have hurt someone's feelings along the way, and, and we say, oh, I just, just forgive him. But yet someone still pays for this. And some people ask, why can't God just forgive us? I mean, just by, but really by definition, to forgive us means someone pays for this. When I sin, someone pays for this. Um, when my kid breaks something, I got to pay for this, um, or else they're going to pay for this. And so one party or another pays for this, and we see this happening here, that it is God who pays. When Jesus died on the cross, he pays for our sins. He paid for my debts. He pays a sin for a penalty we couldn't pay. We couldn't possibly go to him and say, Have, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. I will make all things right. We couldn't do that to Almighty God. If the servant couldn't pay this amount back to the king, definitely we couldn't do this to our God. So what does this do? The knowledge of this grace, the experience of this gospel leads us to gratitude. The ability to say thank you. It means that by saying it, I am attributing credit to someone else. Thank you. I give it to someone else. You know, it's really our Western American culture that, man, we're all about being independent. And we often rave about, oh, he was a self-made man and he worked for everything he has and he earned it. And we somehow we have that attitude as a positive thing. And sometimes we bring that to God. And that's what this guy does is I'll pay you for everything which he couldn't. It's positive if you can do it. It's absurd if you can't, and you can't. And here, he says, we ought to be filled with gratitude. You know, like I said, as I read this, I assumed there was some form of gratitude. But you could almost imagine this pompous servant going to the king. All right, I'll pay you back. Don't worry about it. Everything, don't worry about it. I'll pay you back all of it. And the king says, just let him go. And one of his servants comes, okay, you can go. And he's walking away, and maybe he is thinking, Boy, you know, the king sure, you know, knows that I'm special, right? Boy, he recognizes who I am. Boy, because I am so smart, because I know everything, because I'm so, you know, you know, cute, and I'm so clever. Boy, he let me go. Boy, I deserve this forgiveness. And he walks away thinking he earned it somehow. 
It leads to gratitude. We have to say thank you often. Our prayers ought to be filled with thanksgiving. More than, you know, uh, having a feeling of gratitude or having an attitude of gratitude, we ought to now verbalize and thank others and thank God. Um, it is giving credit to someone else. Like Psalm 86, 12, for example, and the Psalms are obviously filled with prayers and praises of thanksgiving, but in this verse, it is attributed to God. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God. So it's not just a feeling. It's not just, oh, I feel good, and it's good for me, it's good for my relationships, and I ought to just say it to myself. No, I have to give thanks to someone else, and we thank God. And this is how important it is that we say this often, that we have to thank God. Um, and this is the fruit of the gospel. The second thing and is that we become a, per, a people who are generous. Um, generous in our forgiveness. Remember the context of all this is when he's asked by Peter, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Up to seven times? Well, seven, 70 times seven. He says, let me tell you a story. And so maybe someone has hurt you or wronged you or owes you, and you say up to seven times. And he says, before you get technical, let's go over the story. We ought to be a generous people, willing to forgive, uh, willing to say it's okay. Because I've been given now 10,000 talents, and you owe me 100? Eh, don't worry about it. You know, Oh, you, you did that. Don't worry about it. That ought to be the fruit of the gospel that we hear, that we ought to be generous people in this way. You know, in God's timing, this morning I went to Starbucks, right, getting ready for church. Uh, went to right down the street on Birch and stopped by. You know, it's, today it's kind of cold and rainy, and uh, so I was like, oh. It's kind of funny, right? When it rains, we walk funny. I walk funny. I tense up like it's going to avoid me or something, you know. And I like rush off into Starbucks like I can't get wet. Um, anyways, I get in there. But as I'm going in, there's a guy outside. And I could tell like he um, wanted something. And so I was like, hey, I'm preaching on generosity. I'm going to buy him a cup of coffee if he asks. So I was like, oh, we're ready. And then he said, hey, can you give me a cup of coffee? I said, sure, man. Hey, come on. Let's get some coffee. And we go in. Um, and then we go in. I say, hey, you know, um, get some coffee. And hey, what did you get? You know, I was like, this generosity, I'm preaching. I was like, why don't you get something from the pastry section too? Go for it. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass this test, God. You know, like I know this is a test, I'm, I'm going to pass it. Now, this is, you know, my immigrant, my dear mother, my Korean immigrant mother, uh, the most, one of the most frugal people in the world. You know, like we pull her drawer sometimes, it still looks like McDonald's. Am I at McDonald's? Why is there all this McDonald's ketchup and salt? You know, and she's very frugal, napkins. Uh, is it McDonald's? You know, and so... So I kind of go, so every time I go to Starbucks, I can't get myself to order anything. And someone say, "Oh, you should try this. You should try that." Just give me a pike, tall pike. You want room? No, no room. Just fill it to the top. <laughs> like, even if it overflows, I don't care. I'll drink it and put in the cream. Don't worry, just fill it. You know. I can't order the other stuff, and so we go in, and so he goes, in, and he. I said, "Go ahead and order." He goes, "Yeah, I'll take a." He says, "I'll take a venti caramel macchiato." Like, oh my gosh, like. And, you know, now I forgot all about my sermon. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he ordered a $5. Oh, my. You know, and so um, he's like, what would you like, sir? Tall, tall pike, filled to the top. No room, you know, just mine. 
And, um, and then after, all right, God bless you. And then I'm sitting there drinking my coffee and I text my wife, I said, Sharon, I said, honey, you won't believe this. I, you know, <laughs> this is my, and I was like, oh, you know, this guy, I offered him a coffee and then he ordered a venti caramel macchiato. And then, you know, it, she's a lot better person than I am, right? And she says, oh, you probably made this morning, good for you. And I just felt so, like, I felt like, you know, she's a kindergarten teacher. I felt like I was in kindergarten. Yes, dear, that's so, yes, that's how I was thinking. Um, thank you, Mrs. Choi. Um, and, uh, and I was thinking, I loaded my phone with credit that someone gave me a card yesterday, 25 bucks. It was a gift laying around. Someone gave it to me, and I loaded that. And I was like... We ought to really be the most generous people. And this week, you're going to be tempted to, you know, you're going to sit around and the country is going to eat and watch football and buy something cheap that they don't need just because it's cheap. And we're going to spend the next month buying stuff we don't need just because it's cheap and um, buying stuff for other people they don't need just to save face. And we're going to buy them. And you're going to be going to parties and going to do this and going to do that. But instead of making it all about me, I thought it would be great as we as the church of Jesus Christ, as a group of servants who have received so much, 10,000 talents been forgiven, that we can go and say, I worship you and I thank you, and we could now, if there is someone that has hurt you, wronged you, owes you, would you forgive them? And would you go to the, if you don't have the power to do that, would you go to the cross and say, Jesus, would you help me to do this? Give me the power. I can't do it on my own. And if someone has wronged you or hurt you, would you say, oh, let me go to the cross and help me to learn what this generosity looks like. Help me to forgive, not just seven times, because Jesus, you forgive me every day. Give me that power and ability. And so that's our prayer. That's what we hope that we would be filled with this fruit of generosity, of gratitude, that we won't ever go to the king and say, I will repay you for something we can't. He gives us everything in exchange. Uh, what a Thanksgiving that would be. Now let's pray together. Dear God, we are humbled. We are grateful. You give us everything. You have shown pity towards us. And sometimes we forget and we want to, Lord, wring someone around their neck and we want to get them back because we don't want to pay. Today, Lord, we're humbled to think that you paid for us. Something we couldn't possibly pay back forgiveness of our sins, eternal life with you. You paid it on the cross. So we take that now to heart. We thank you. Help us to be generous. Help us to be grateful to you for everything we have. We pray in Jesus' name.